Hey, and welcome to the Comic Cast. I'm your co-host, Cody. Hey everyone, I'm Matt here, and we're glad you're joining us for another episode of the Comacast. That's right, Matt. It's where we dive into the lives of LGBT individuals whose crime cases have gone cold. And today, we're going to be talking about Tyra Henderson. Podcasting from the Lone Star State in Southern California, you're listening to the Coma Podcast with Cody and Matt. So, hey everyone, it's another episode here of the Comicast. We thank you for joining us. It's been a crazy few weeks. We're not going to spend any time on it really, but just making sure, continue to wash your hands and stay away from everybody. Stay home if you can. Enjoy that time. Speaking of, Matt, um, I know everyone's spending time at home and we've talked about last week, we talked about uh, at work, working from home etiquette. Uh, I don't know if you saw, I think I sent you the clip of the lady and oh. you you talked about this. You warned everyone last week. She apparently was not listening to our podcast, but uh, you warned everyone <laughs> to like watch out if you're on video, be dressed if you're going to be on video uh, and whatnot. Okay. She was, I would say she was partially dressed. So I guess she was kind of listening, but it was a group of like, I don't know, like uh, 10 people. They were on a video chat and she was moving around her house for some reason. Um, well, I we know why. We'll end up knowing why. She was going to the bathroom. Except it looks like she put her laptop on the floor of the bathroom. First of all, well, that's just gross. I don't even know what, what you're doing there. But um, Everybody is having a meltdown about that part individually. Like that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast right there. Ugh, so gross. And then she's going to pick it up and it's going to be on her hands. I mean, that's a, it's the whole thing. Germs, watch out where you're putting your hands. Gross. Anyway, she put her laptop on the ground. The meeting's going on. Someone's talking. And obviously, everyone's just watching the screen, listening to this lady talk. And then she sits down on the toilet to go to the bathroom. And at first, she doesn't realize it. And then people start, like, gasping on camera you can't necessarily hear them all but you can see their facial reactions and they're like shocked everyone is shocked the person talking doesn't see it though because they're you know probably paying attention in their head what they're saying and then there's one girl who's like in her car at first i was worried about her too because it seemed like she was driving during this but i think she what pulled over or something and she like kind of stops the meeting and by that point in time the girl with the toilet computer laptop on the floor realizes her mistake and she like rotates her computer away from her and then the girl in the little car is like um calling out her name like um and then the lady stops doing the meeting and is like wait what's going on what happened oh my girl in the toilet turns off her computer probably shuts her laptop she's like oh my god and then everyone's like laughing and then there's one guy there's all women and then there's one guy and the guy's like, I didn't see anything. He did. But um, it was just uh, I felt sorry for her in one way because maybe she's not really dealt with this situation. But you would think you would. I mean, I guess it goes back to my point of you don't really realize you're on camera. And you like get blinded by that thought. And she just set her computer down and let everyone watch her pee, I guess. Oh. Cody's like on the other end of this trying to control himself. I can see him. I'm looking at him right now on FaceTime. Normally it's me that's falling apart. Um, so yeah. So about that, she is probably on one of the last flights out of wherever she lives to like some country. 
that's uh, you know <laughs> I also... not quite yet discovered to go hide because that is literally everybody's worst nightmare. I mean, we all we all joke about it, but when something embarrassing really happens, you know that I hope I hope she's okay because you just never know when someone's last straw is gonna be. But just oh gosh, it did look like she was she works with a great group of people and they're gonna like kid her forever about this. But I think yeah, I mean I hope okay. they're I hope they're cool with it. I mean it just happens. Um, like but you said like you said I have talked about this and uh, that is just one of those things. That it's always seems like a great idea to like wear, you know, oh, wear a professional shirt and then nothing, un, you know, nothing below. Yeah, it sounds funny, but every now and then, you know, the cat runs into the room and you have to throw them out and you like, oh, you like you stand up to get the cat and then, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, did, I saw another one. I, I, that's all I'm seeing. Like now, you know, people are doing this a lot now at home from work from home. And so people are posting these videos now, like on Reddit and Twitter and whatnot. I saw one where it was just like a smaller group, like four people. And this one guy like pulls his bong out and starts using it. And like, I guess his leader, or like team leader, or whatever is like calling him out. I don't know his name, but we'll say it's Jeremy. It's like, Jeremy, not right now. <laughs> really you could have gone with chad chad, chad seems like a good name or matt. it seems like a chad thing to do oh come on let's not throw matt's under the bus but it's like okay you could have like got off camera and done it <laughs> right anything but that but um one of forget. my good webcam uh one thing that happens is uh about 10 years ago i'm really dating myself here and i was an adult 10 years ago by the way i was talking to a friend on webcam and he had a friend over apparently and um i guess a friend asked about me like you know, yeah, and not so G-rated way. And friend did not realize he did not mute his microphone while we were talking. He goes, "Oh yeah, just kind of stand over on this side of my shoulder, so like you know he can't hear you or can't see you." And I was like, "Dude, my uh, your mic is on." And his face was like, "I was like, ah, really? Like we've been friends a long time. You really had to do that? This is somebody I've known a very long time. I'm still friends with actually today. And actually, I just reminded him of this a few weeks ago because yeah. I'm like, oh, you remember when you uh, pulled that stunt? He's super embarrassed, and he should be because it's not a nice thing to do. No. Um, but yeah, it happens, and um, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're gonna. See, I'm already seeing the horror stories from people on Twitter, which we all knew was gonna happen, and people don't realize that. Working at home and going on school, going to school online has a lot of benefits. I mean, you get to use your own bathroom, go get your own food on your lunch breaks. You can if you don't want to eat at home, you can run to McDonald's or fast food or whatever you get. And um, uh, preferably someone who pays sick pay and uh, to their employees and get food and get back home and eat. And it's nice, but you have to be back at your desk. You have to be you have to be attentive just and it's just as important to be there as it is when you're done to shut your laptop. If you have one of those jobs that just, you know, like our jobs, like kind of what we do between this and our other projects. I don't know about you, but if I don't make myself shut my laptop, it'll just stay open, even if I'm watching a movie or something. And yeah. I'll just kind of look over it and I'll think of something and start working. Like, no, no. Yeah, like, for sure. When I right now, the book is a little different because if I think of something that I think should go in the book, I go grab my laptop and immediately write it down because I'll forget it. I'm sure some people can just retain ideas. I'll forget. I go grab it, open it up, write down what I'm going to write down and go back to well, what I'm and doing. That, you know, that's more like a passion project for you as opposed to like someone like 
doing work, work, work. Um, speaking of writing, uh, I know last week, I don't know if this stayed in the episode, but we were talking about in one of our recordings um, where you wrote a short story. And then you right, were that's right. I did. I sent me, it to you. And um, I read it. Did you, did you like it? I thought it was really good, but here's the deal. He did not warn me it was going to be sad. Now, he said he sent it to one of his friends and it was sad for them, but I was not imagining what I read. Also, it involved a cat in the story, which made it even sadder. Like, but it was good. It was good, but it was like sad. I was not The cat was not injured. That. I want to point that out. Uh, there is no injuries to the cat or anything like that. The cat was just a cat being a cat. Like, so you, like, you're following the general Hollywood rule of you usually do not kill the animal. There's like those one or two movies that kills the animal. But in general, you know oh, an animal is not going to die. Old Yeller it dies. I think Marley and me, it dies. Uh, yeah. But yeah. for real, um, if you kind of think about that now, most movies don't let the animals die yeah, because well, people because don't want to see that. Yeah, you know that's it's a problem. Well, thank, um, so thank you for when not I wrote it. It, it was cat. initially supposed to be funny. It was supposed to be a humorous take on on the subject that you read about. And uh, as it started unfolding, I, I was trying to write it funny, and it started feeling forced. I'm very new to writing in this sense. I I'm not a bad writer as far as academically. But this is totally different. I haven't written like this before. So my goal was to see if I could make people feel emotions and base, feel what I felt when I was writing. And initially when I thought of this, it was supposed to be funny. This was just a 1500 word like story that I might expand. It actually kind of ended on a cliffhanger because that's kind of just where I ran out of idea. And I'm not sure what the next step is, but I thought, oh, well, let me send it. But as it was unfolding, it got really I say dark, but not in like in a stabby, murdery way, but like in a, in a sad way. A very emotional. It was an emotional. Yeah, and tale. um, so I've only sent it to a couple people, and I didn't. I wasn't even going to send it to you because you know I know you don't books really aren't your thing, but I appreciate you reading it for me. Well, it was nice because it wasn't super long. You know. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was only fourteen hundred words. It's like reading an article. <laughs> So it was good. No, I, I I feel like there needs to be a part two and I can't wait to read a part two. So there you go. Really? There's, there's your inspiration. I need part two. So go write part two right now. So David read it and I did not expect him to like it. You know, it's just not his style of story. So yeah. that was pretty cool. And David is a really, if you ask him for criticism, I'm very much like this is a similarity he and I do share. Don't ask a question you don't want to hear the answer to. Um, as I'm sure Cody knows. Well, quite that's true because sure uh, that kind of leads but. into my next kind of conversation. Um, is that um, during this time, uh, here's the deal I feel like all of our conversations are going to center somewhat around this whole coronavirus thing, but not directly with it. Um, during this time, a lot of people are probably going to be feeling anxious. Uh, and it's going to be, you're going to feel it more, I think, because you're not, a lot of people in the country cannot really like move around so they're supposed to stay in their house you can go to the grocery store and whatnot but like even out here in california they've like shut down the beaches and the parks and the trails because people weren't listening and they were gathering in large groups and so um aside from being able to walk around your neighborhood for like a quick walk or walk your dog or whatnot you're going to be like in your house so you're going to like start feeling anxious or some people are going to be feeling depressed and so i think it's always important that you have those people that you can reach out to 
And I think in general, it's important to be able to reach out to those people, not even if you're feeling those things, just like FaceTime a friend every day or like family members every day, um, because everybody else is stuck in their homes and they're not being able to see other humans. So we have no really human interaction like we usually do. And so I think it's good to like, you know, give a call and let um, someone say hi. I think in this way, I have like uh, some of my friends here. And I have Matt that I'm constantly texting, texting and messaging, and he's always there. But as, as with always, a lot of people are probably going to have anxiety about the virus itself, and they have a cold or a cough, and Matt has got to deal with that <laughs> with me. Um, that I've had like some like throat congestion issues, and uh, earlier we it, it is recorded, but it won't be used. Wow. <laughs> But Matt went on a rant about what I should do. So, yes, Matt, you do tell it like it is. Um, I definitely, if you get me to a point. I think it is helpful. It's with love. I want to point that out. Like, it is absolutely with love. Um, Here's the deal. Am I going to listen to it? Ah. um, And also, uh, his best friend and partner are also like, uh, please do this. So, just want to point that out. It is not just me. But um, I actually I'm glad you brought that up because it is something I intended to bring it up. I started to write this as a tweet last night, but I couldn't figure out how to word it. Um, the, what I want to bring up specifically is not everybody is as bothered, per se, by being at home um, in person. I'm pretty introverted. Uh, I'll, I'll text you all day, call you. We can talk. That's fine. But I myself am kind of, you know, arm's length kind of person. And I feel that if you're one of those people who's, you know, not really as bothered, like I've been working in this environment for four years and between all the other projects I'm doing, my personal day to day operation hasn't changed other than some inconveniences. And we live with those. That's fine. It's it's fine. I'm David and I are both fine. But if you are one of those people, I think it's doubly important that you reach out to people that, you know, because if you are, you know that your friends aren't okay. You know, you know that people are sliding, you know, that some people struggle with various uh, mental health issues and even the ones that don't. This is difficult. Um, they don't know that, you know, they've never worked at home. They've never gone to school online. Now they're suddenly doing both at the same time, home alone, and they can't even like, oh, that was a rough day. I'm going to go meet my friends after work for dinner or drinks or whatever. It can't happen right now. So I think it's doubly important that people that if you feel like maybe you aren't as bothered or you feel you're able to reach out, you should put the effort into um, reaching out to your friends that aren't okay, checking on them. Uh, you know, like Cody has just said, like, you know, these things bother him and stress him out. Cody is absolutely somebody I do talk to specifically about this. We don't just talk about the podcast and our cats. Like I make time specifically for that. And that's not to be like, Oh, I'm a hero. No, it's the right thing to do. And if you can do it, reach out to your friends and reach out to people that maybe you aren't as close with and check on them because they may not be okay. You know, they might be okay today and not tomorrow. And then, okay. Again, the day after it's a lot that's happening in the world. And it's been a really strange, I'm going to put it mildly, uh, wild couple of years. Um, Cody, I feel like you're trying to hold in a cough and you're just like, no, it is clearing. I was going to clear my throat. No coughing. Um, I haven't had much coughing and I have zero fever. And I I think (laughs) (laughs) y'all have no idea. (laughs) I let Matt know. I let Matt know. 
No, but I, I actually have a <laughs> I actually have a Cody Vital signs thing that prints out once on the hour to me. <laughs> like too bad, like Apple Health, you can't like have like allow friends to connect and see no, your they vital oh information. No, they totally should because like, well, whatever. That's another story. I'll go into it later. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Uh, I think this week, me and Matt have we we mentioned it a little bit. I think in a podcast episode, and then we like texted a small bit about this, but um to help relieve people's fears or anxiety or just plain boredom. I've seen a lot of people just bored. Um, I think a great thing is uh, there's like, there's a plugin for Chrome that allows people to watch Netflix movies and chat together in real time. So you're not having to sit there and be be like with your friend, okay, hit play now. Now. Oh, and then everybody's (laughs) off. So that's great. And um, then we, so we we wanted maybe do that with everybody, like maybe one night a week or one night every two weeks or something, just to interact with all of I, you. I think it's a good idea because um, well, we love that you're listening to us, so we want to like get to know you more. Some of you we already know because we're mutuals on Twitter and whatnot, but some of you we don't know. So that would be great to do that. And then also going to your point of being like, you want to do the news with me? We have played with the idea of maybe doing like a. It would be off topic necessarily. It wouldn't be like our normal podcast episode, but we might just go live together. I love it. Uh, on YouTube or something. Probably YouTube would be the easiest way for everybody. So um, we'll uh, kind of like figure out some things and we'll try to a movie thing or a live thing maybe this week. Um, so we'll let you know on our personal Twitters and then obviously on the Comicast Twitter because we want you to tune in. We'll give you enough head uh, ahead time. <laughs> Man, Matt is just loving catching all these. We'll, we'll give you an, enough prep time to... Um, <laughs> to to uh, know, know when um, we're going to go live or do a video thing. Again... Not that you're like going to be going out to the restaurant, or you better not be. I mean, you can do takeout, I guess. Cody if you will find allowed. you like by satellite and eliminate you. I'm not kidding. I, I'm pretty sure he. I went to the mailbox and he knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you touched the mail. Yeah, I know, and I washed my hands after. Okay. And some people don't, and that they should wash their hands after they get. Oh, so for real. Uh, um, yeah, we'll let you know in enough advance time so that we can have you join us and. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. So we'll do that. Um, And then concluding here, uh, again, remember right now, it's going to get really crazy in the next uh, week or two because of the whole coronavirus situation going on. Numbers are expected to spike. So this is the period of time that you definitely, definitely want to stay home. Uh, Most experts in the field are saying that if you haven't caught it yet, if you're going out a lot in public right now, and of course... Some places aren't shut down. Some states have decided not to do that. But if you're going out right now, uh, this is the period of time, the next week or two, when it's going to be your highest chance of getting it because of the way viruses work and the duplication process with that. Right. Just stay inside. Like, you know, you and I are in big cities. So I'm sure there's plenty of towns and everything that, you know, just have no traffic that are like, what is everybody freaking out about? But what's happening? I mean, I think a lot of people also... uh, are thinking it can't happen to them or it only happens yeah. to older people. It is happening to younger people. It is happening to everyone. So again, just wash your hands. Uh, be aware of situations. If you don't have to go out, just stay in. 
um, at least for the next uh, few weeks, you know, kind of let things settle down. You know, it's it's all about learning about the virus, you know, and maybe finding uh, some medicines that can help deal with the situation until there is a vaccine, which is months away. But you, you kind of let just things settle down a bit so we kind of have a better idea of the situation also it's all about that flattening of the curve so we don't overload hotels um and just enjoy your time in your house if you can order your groceries you know and you may have to make a a list and then you know get your groceries like four days later but you know yeah enjoy your time and then facetime your friends facetime your grandparents if they're still alive facetime your parents like people you don't normally talk to just like what else are you going to do? Watch TV? Um, stream something? Yes. But <laughs> anyway, so we'll leave it at that. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about Tyra Henderson. Okay, so Matt, today we're going to be talking about the media and kind of the way they pick stories and also how it relates to LGBT facts. It's going to center a lot around Matthew Shepard. We recently talked about Matthew Shepard in our previous episode. Um, and I, I got this from... Uh, an article that was written concerning about Matthew Shepard, LGBT and the media. Um, it was an academic uh, paper that was written up um, talking about this. Um, and when we, when we look at his case and we look at the media in general, there's obviously a reason certain things play out the way that they do. Um, and as we talked about in our episode, a lot of people don't know who Matthew Shepard is. And then the people who do uh, kind of know about Matthew Shepard, you know, it's kind of talked about like people kind of cling on to that maybe because we feel the nation has kind of forgotten him or reconciled the events that occurred at that time. But his murder was, uh, I guess a very tragic thing and the media framed it in a certain way. So we're going to kind of be talking about the way that the media framed it, why they framed it the way they did and kind of how that relates to other, um, LGBT stories that we've talked about um, in general. Now, when you think of the Matthew Shepard uh, case or any case that involves LGBT people or basically any case that you see on television, especially national, ne- national news, it follows a certain form, a certain way of telling a story. It's structured a certain way. Um, if we think of national news, it differs a lot from local news. So like Matt, I'm sure like you watch local news and you, you see stories and a lot of times it's car crash, some heartfelt story about someone getting money for some charity. And then on the rare case, you know, it talks about murders or like some sort of things. Yeah. And especially as a claims adjuster who handled Texas, um, and I handled injury, a lot of that is local. You know, you do have San Antonio cases, and sometimes you do see them on the news. Sometimes, you know, or the uh, offices or vendors that you might be working with become news. Sometimes they become national news, depending on how big the case gets. And how it's portrayed is um, very different. In local news, I get more of the, you know, the hometown feel. It's a little more feel-good-ish about it. Um, but, and if there's a divided camp, you know, if it's a controversial issue um, or something extreme has happened they'll usually post somebody that's an interview of somebody that's uh, completely crazy one way. And then someone who's completely crazy about it the other way. It's not usually as level headed on the national level. I see it's more cold, a little more sterilized unless 
unless it's something that's really uh really dramatic and then it is just i don't know how else to put it it's uh mm, well does its best to like hit our heartstrings yeah and in the it uses all these buzzwords to make everybody feel i guess yeah so we'll touch on those buzzwords or like the way things are phrased to a certain point but yeah i think you're right local news you know you have those basic stories national news uh, the stories that are being told are usually stories that span periods of time. So a lot of things that you'll see nationally on national news, so this could be your broadcast networks or your cable networks, they're not like a one-and-done story. A lot of local news stories are one-and-done stories, unless it involves like city stuff or uh, different stories will allow you to do multiple stories. But a lot of stories that local news does are like they do it once and then the story's done. National news likes to take a story because a lot of times national, well, essentially all national uh, stories, except for ones that deal with national implications, like government stories and political stories, other stories they pick up. So like in this case, Matthew Shepard's story uh, or any of the other stories they pick up that come from a local angle, they choose those for certain reasons. And that is to tell kind of basically like a story arc. You know, there's a beginning, middle, and an end. So when we're talking about Matthew Shepard, um, the Washington Post, um, New York Times, and other big outlets, national news, broadcast networks, uh, did not actually really run stories or articles on Matthew Shepard until October 10th, 1998. Now, that was three days after he was discovered. So there was a delay. So he uh, was found, and then that was on local news, but it wasn't on national news. So you're like, well, what made national news decide to pick this up, and why did they not pick it up? So when we look at local news, uh, there you obviously have your sheriff's department and others involved. They give press conference. Local news picks up the press conference, uh, and basically – uh, he he threw out some things that Matthew may have been beaten because he was gay, saying may have been. But ultimately, he kind of, uh, I guess, alludes to the fact that this probably, or it seems that this happened because of a, uh, a crime, that they were trying to steal something from him, a theft of some sorts. But the local news did not pick it up that way. The local news decided to seize on the story of it being an anti-gay aspect of the crime. Uh, and especially like you were talking about, Matt, uh, he was found uh, in that field and it looked like he was a scarecrow. And that image was played around a lot in the media at the time. And so they 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 kind of stuck on those two dramatic elements and they stuck on that element of uh, the anti-gay aspect of it as opposed to what the, the chief of the police or the sheriffs had said that it was probably because of a theft now, those things um, are kind of what got the national uh, media's attention. So there's some articles that were going on at this time after they started picking up three days later. Uh, and some of those articles are gay man beaten and left for dead, two are charged. Gay student brutally beaten, four arrested. And gay man near death after beating burning three held in wyoming attack near campus hate crime suspected so if you look at those uh you see what we've decided 
that they are going to focus on the gay aspect, the anti-gay aspect. So they're making sure to point out that Matthew Shepard was gay. And they've gone to the extremes of kind of making it as gruesome. It was a gruesome crime, but they're making sure to point that out, that it was a super gruesome thing. Um, So I think if we look in national media today, especially, uh, you'll see kind of some of that that feeling of those are the stories that got picked up. So people are always like, why is uh, news always so gloomy or whatever? You know, they are kind of taking an aspect of the story and picking portions of it and then giving you some of the gruesome details. Why do they do that? Well, news, unfortunately, is a business. And viewers gravitate towards that it's like you know uh you're driving on the roadway and there's an accident well guess what people slow down to look at the accident which in turn causes more accidents (laughs) so it's kind of the same thing um but so i think when you look at news things to look at those particular things uh and see how it's being being portrayed now in in this case they uh the the media centered around matthew shepherd he was really the center of the story uh and it wasn't necessarily about a hate crime they centered around uh matthew shepherd um and i think one of the reasons you kind of look at that is that he was an all-american boy and you know if if you he was somewhat smaller in stature. He was like five, two. So for the audience, they become very sympathetic to him. Unassuming white middle-class, um, growing up, uh, he was just getting into college. So he was a young adult and people didn't feel threatened by him. So I think this is one of the interesting things. Um, when I started researching this, and how it portrays to how the media kind of angled this story is that interestingly people weren't threatened by him and this is the 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 general public at large so people who may have been like anti-gay at the times you know this is like late 90s but i think it's interesting that because he was so small in stature that people felt a connection to him, like it could be their son or their grandchild. So they felt some sympathy, uh, sympathy, um, towards him. Um, and so like when we look at other stories that we've talked about in the past, um, not getting picked up, I think this is a really big point of why this story got picked up versus others because he was that all American boy that people could connect with in some form or fashion. And at, at the time that Matthew Shepard happened, there had been at least 27 other gay uh, murders or hate crimes that occurred that year. And guess what, Matt? How many do you think made national news? I want to say zero. You're correct. So there had been zero uh, stories nationally about any of these other murders that happened. And, and honestly, actually very few media reports about these people. And as me and Matt know, and like talking about these, uh, people that we've talked about in previous episodes and researching them, it's really hard to find a lot of information a lot of times on these people who have been murdered. 
I think one of the so a phrase you used, "all American boy." We hear that a lot in phrasing, and we hear it with um, we hear it when the person is the victim or the perpetrator, right? So, in like in this case, they used it as a way to help people relate to this uh, sweet, this sweet, fresh-faced boy who was brutally attacked. And then, but we also see it when you know school shooters are also described oh when they were you know they were just the typical all-american boy they're a lone wolf the loner blah 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 and there is something else that we we're going to go ahead and talk about um and the fact that it's almost it well it's always a white guy we're talking about and now this does not diminish the the like the absolute horror that matthew shepherd experienced during this obviously he did not ask for any of this he was put in the spotlight at his beating and he never regained consciousness and um you know subsequently died less than a week later of his injuries so when it in any of the cases you guys have listened to if you notice on we on our website we have pictures of everybody now some of them we have been able to find you know pretty good pictures of the people because we want we want people to have a face to put with these names you know these are people these people live their lives and you know, they were ended and that's why we're here to talk about them. But if you notice the pictures, if you Google Matthew Shepard, there is high quality pictures. Any pictures used of him have been either touched, retouched, or, you know, essentially remastered to make them, you know, better quality. But the pictures of every other person that we've talked about, most of them were POC. Um, It's essentially the equivalent of an iPhone picture an old newspaper clipping photograph if they happen to be snapped in the back. Um, you know, and it's just, it's disrespectful. You know, it, it very much shows the, uh, the contrast between how a pretty white boy is treated versus anybody else. And again, I do not use that phrasing in any way to diminish Matthew Shepard's crime. It was horrifying, but so are the other 10 or 12 cases we have posted so far all of them were horrifying and they should all be horrifying but the way that poc are treated in the media um in well heterosexual and homosexual community lbgt lgbt uh, plus communities is not equal to how uh, uh white people or white passing people are treated and I th- it's just something that I think a popular phrase that he uses, this is true, but we're not ready to have that conversation. I think people are having that conversation. It just isn't sticking at the higher levels yet. You know, people are still arguing for equality and representation in the media. And, you know, and I, I mean, that's something I think that I was always aware of in the back of my head. But as we were, as we've done the research, Cody and I have had many conversations throughout the week because he does see the name of the person that we are going to talk about i mean i can't tell you how many times we've looked back and forth and both of us searching completely independently because we don't tell each other what we look for to make sure that we can just have our own independent thoughts i think we typically both come across the same one or two pictures would you agree yeah there's probably three and any of the ones you've picked i've seen Except for, um, well, Matthew Shepard's has a, uh, now some of the cases we do, do have a Wikipedia and they're typically very respectfully written. There is a change in how they were written about in their time when they were attacked or murdered. 
the, the clippings then versus how they are written about now in updated Wikipedias and updated sources because, and we can definitely attribute that to um, mostly trans people, trans people and the organizations they have founded to create this place to, you know, write respectful obituaries, referring to them by their preferred um, pronoun and acknowledging them for the person that they lived as, not, um, you know, to quote to Wang Fu, a boy in a dress, like, because that is what people get diminished to. And it's so disrespectful um, that even in death, you could not allow this person to just be who they were and who they wanted to be. And, uh, and we see that so much because there's also a lot of, uh, I think, undereducation, would you say, you know, when we're talking, you know, so saying as a news anchor, if you're talking as a news anchor, if you don't have the experience with the LGBT plus community, you may not really know how to respectfully talk about it. And some people just charge right on ahead and say, well, I'm just going to say it and it'll work itself out. Well, if we talk, but when it's the other way around, you know, people get really, if you ever call a straight guy, ma'am on the phone, because he has a softer voice, you get corrected. Well, so fast. Yeah. And that's well, the thing <laughs> with this case in particular, the Matthew Shepard case, if you look at all the coverage that happened, um, they've, you know, the media is centered on the fact that Matthew Shepard was gay. So headlines were always like gay student, gay, whatever, like I was saying, but they never touched on the sexuality of those who committed the crime. You know, we don't want to speculate on that because there are some thoughts, you know, that they may have known each other or had some sort of relationship, some people say. But they never said, like, if we're going to go with the straight, they never said straight perpetrators did this. Right. So, you know, you can look at it in multiple ways of how how uh, things are put across. Now, again... The reason they are saying gay student bash, gay student left to die, you know, is because that's going to get people's attentions. And um, I think it also, you know, kind of like got people's attention at the time and people felt guilty. I think as a nation, you felt guilty because, you know, a lot of people were relating to Matthew Shepard. And because he didn't die right away, I think that's also one of the reasons that this became such a big story and blew up so big. A lot of times in the cases we've talked about, you know, they're cold cases, so we don't really know who killed them or what happened. In this case, we do know who the the killers were. Also, in those other cases, usually they die right away. In Matthew Shepard's case, he uh, was several days comatose in the hospital. So during that period of time, America became more invested in his story. And that's what uh, I was talking about, uh, like national news organizations like picking stories from local levels because the national news basically just goes out to all these local stations and they're constantly looking at all these stories that these hundreds of stations does to see what they can bring national. And in this case, you know, because they they started about three days after it had happened. So they knew that this crime had occurred and he was in a coma. So it provides a natural storyline because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, he could wake up. They didn't know. And in those other, in other cases, someone's dead, they're dead. There's not really any storyline to that unless we're going to follow that story and there'd be like uh, uh, court cases following it, which doesn't really happen a lot in national 
uh, national news. But in this case, the nation kind of got to, uh, kind of they were fighting for him. There was lots of vigils that were happening around the country, which kind of is surprising thinking back to that time that you know there was kind of I guess so much hatred for gay people in general, but that the people were kind of gathering together. But I think it was like a self-examination of people in the country itself and that people kind of felt a little bit uh, guilty because they had those feelings maybe that were anti-gay, but then they're like seeing this kid. And this kid could be like their son. And it it wasn't, I guess, what was portrayed in their head, what they were thinking in their head of this gay person as being maybe someone who... Uh, is a threat to maybe their children or what it may be because you know that plays a lot into anti-gay rhetoric is that you know they they might be a threat to my children they might do something to my children at that time and so I think that self-examination you know there was that guilt that people were feeling of like oh my god that could be my son like look at him and then it you know it pulled at their heart a little bit they're like how gruesome it was and that he was in this coma and his parents were sitting bedside, you know, and it's like played up a lot. And, you know, I I think that really plays a big part in it when you look at the politics of what happened with this story, because um, two weeks after he died, uh, CNN did a poll and basically they asked uh, this question. Uh, as far as concerning uh, a hate crime bill. And Bill Clinton, while I believe uh, Matthew Shepard was in a coma, was asking for a hate law bill to be put in place. Um, But CNN Time asked this poll question. Federal law mandates increased penalties for people who commit hate crimes against racial minorities. Do you favor or oppose the same treatment for people who commit hate crimes against homosexuals? Now, at this time... After his death, Matthew Shepard died two weeks prior to this question. The American public, by 76%, favored hate crime legislation to protect homosexuals, and only 19% opposed it. Like, that is incredible to me at this time in 1998 that 76% of Americans favored hate crime to protect uh, uh, gay crimes, hate crimes. And only 19% people oppose that. Now, when you look at that in the months following his death, then that obviously created a lot of legislations in states to put hate crimes for gays and lesbians, protect them. It was introduced, actually, hate crime bills were introduced in 26 states in America. But here's the thing. By the time those bills came up for a vote, because obviously it takes time, Matthew Shepard's story was no longer in the media. You know, because... You had the media talking about it. He was in the coma. Media followed it. Media followed all during the trial. And then that's it. The story's done. You know, you had a beginning. You had a middle. You had the end. You had the crime happen and a detailed and graphic nature of the crime. Then you had him die. And then the conclusion, because we already knew who did it, was the two individuals being sentenced for Matthew Shepard's death. So the story was done. So when you look then, um, those 26 states who introduced the bills, none of them passed except for one in the Missouri um, State House. And by that point in time, you take some more polls, the mood of the nation had changed. 
So it was no longer 76% in favor of hate crimes. So I think in his case, you know, the media was kind of telling this story and the media itself kind of was pushing that legislation. I don't think if the media would have presented this story in the way that they did, that you would have even had 26 states try to put up legislation. You had that happen because people, I think at the time, were feeling that internal guilt, you know, uh, the homophobia and you know, they were at the time wanting some change because again, here was this young boy. And I think, you know, being young and being so small, like he was like five, two, like I said, so he was unassuming. There was like no threat and to have someone kill him and murder him in the way that they did, I think really, really touched on people. But then obviously when it's no longer in their mind, then it's not affecting them anymore. And I think the same can be said for current events, not just murder things, but like if you look at like uh, school shootings, school shootings happen. It's all in the media. And at the time, there's a lot of buzz about like gun control, taking um, certain guns off the street and doing some kind of uh, legislation. But then, you know, we go like a month later. No one's talking about that. There's no legislation. Nothing happens. Yeah, the media drops the story. Um, there was something I wanted to bring up specifically in, you know, at the national level, how the coverage for Matthew Shepard, for example, carried on. One thing we saw, we see in this case that we see in almost none of the other cases to this level is that because he initially survived, he survived the initial attack, his parents were part of his life. You know, they cared for their child. They did not disown him because they were gay. And I think you see a lot of people make some people that definitely don't have interactions with lgbt people they assume that all lgbt people have dysfunctional families hate themselves and you know that's why they're gay well typically it's because they realize they're gay and they don't hate themselves they're despised by family members and it creates shame they're not born hating themselves you know um but seeing you know i don't want to say played on the family's emotions but because they were there and they were passionate for their child they cared about their child whereas many of the cases we see um some that haven't you know we haven't aired yet um that haven't been recorded but i've I've researched and the ones we have put out we see a lot some of them yes the families you know cared but they weren't given the attention by the media so it's not that they cared any less but their child or loved one by the time they were notified was already gone they may have died at the scene they were found days later um you know or longer um there was one of them uh you know we talked about julie doe uh she was found about eight months after she had been killed and nobody has ever stepped forward to just to acknowledge her and um i think that's that's significant you know we media doesn't pick up these smaller cases if it does it's getting like a blurb and you know kicked down the tube um but it's none of these have uh high quality photos put out they don't have details about their um life you know uh you know they they might do what's called um dead naming which is when somebody's calling a trans person by uh the name they were originally given and it's not appropriate you know once you've once you've been corrected and you know their name you need to issue the correction and say their name 
you know, and that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. But Matthew Shepard is this, you know, was this slight, was this, you know, he was small, he was adorable, and he was overpowered and attacked by two people much bigger than him and survived it and died later. Um, is noted in the report that, you know, for example, the only part of his face that was clean was from where he was crying and his tears had kind of, you know, washed down some of the dirt and blood. That is horrifying. I mean, this young man suffered greatly and the media talked about it. They gave it attention and helped, you know, legislation could have gone through, but it's dropped. And the same thing happened, you know, all these other cases, they aren't given that same attention. And the families ask questions and uh, the police stations, you know, say, oh, it's active or it's cold. But, you know, we're still accepting tips. Um, but, you know, how many of the cases have we done, Cody, where, you know, evidence was lost or is just non-existent or nobody can really tell you anything? Yeah, I mean, I think so many uh, of the stories are like that. Um, I think, unfortunately... You know, since uh, news organizations depend on ratings and ratings bring in money, some decisions are made for a story to be a little bit more, um, I guess, tailored designed to be a drama. That's what people like watching. And so these stories are picked up that are going to get the most eyeballs. So in many of these cases, especially our uh, cases where we talk about trans individuals, you don't see a lot of those picked up nationally. Because I feel like looking at it, that the audience at large might find the topic revolting, um, talking about trans people. I mean, you saw kind of like the revolt that happened in recent times where the media is, you know, talking about these trans bathroom bills and that kind of thing that people get so heated about. And, you know, I think... You know, in this case, in Matthew Shepard's case, it is exactly what you said. It was this boy who was white, middle-class family, uh, well-respected, family was whole. I mean, looking at it, his story was designed perfectly for the way that news is made. You know, and I think, again, you know, since he didn't die, that added to that possibility of it being a more dramatic story. Um, but yeah, there's so many, there's so many stories locally that happen and thankfully local news stations do try to tell these stories. Now, in a lot of times in these cases, the, the case is called like there was, there are no witnesses, especially some of our older cases, you know, when technology isn't there to provide some help with cameras and that sort of thing that there isn't a lot to go on. And a lot of times in these neighborhoods, uh, these individuals, um, trans members are killed a lot of people don't want to speak to the police because they may be people of color and obviously in the climate of the world that we have with police officers there's not a lot of trust there so in general people don't want to talk to police officers so when this happens you definitely you know kind of are staying clear of the situation um, and it's unfortunate on multiple levels you know uh, all the way down to the way the cases are handled and then how cases are presented to the media. And I think local stations try to do the best that they can. Local stations, especially in larger markets, 
have the ability to have like investigation teams. Um, but at that, a lot of times they won't investigate much, especially a murder because, you know, they're not like private detectives of that sort of thing. And so they'll try to present as best that they can and best the information that is released by the police officers. So I think lo- local news definitely does a great service to these communities and especially larger communities where they have more resources. But in a lot of times, stations just don't have the resources available to to continue pursuing a story where there's not a lot there. Um, and that's unfortunate. And I think that's why... You know, I think things like us podcasts doing stories about them, and there's other podcasts that talk about uh, LGBT individuals and things that happen. But I think you need these types of things and blogs. There's been blogs also that talk about these things that can specifically focus on these issues because you can't expect local news to like completely like follow everything and it's unfortunate but you know it's just kind of the way we the world we live in and limited resources um and so yeah i think i think the whole thing of like media presentation uh on these cases is quite interesting you know because it's none of it is done from a negative standpoint of view everyone's trying to do the best that they can and the people who report these stories you know, are very invested in these stories. Uh, the reporters and anchors who, you know, in Matthew Shepard's case and in other cases, they really are involved in these stories and they work really hard to get these stories out there. And, you know, I think that cannot be understated. Reporters and anchors, you know, love what they do and love telling stories and love letting other people know about things that are going on in the world. And a lot, and many times they're just overstepped by the corporate portion of it you know it's something it may not be something they want to do but you know like in any business your managers and people in charge kind of set the direction for how things should go you're right um but you know i know as a we didn't do a case today but it had come up because it's something that's bothered us from, you know, from the get go, from the very first case, we started trying to find pictures of people and we couldn't hardly find any. And it's hard to believe that, you know, a couple of our cases, yes, are a lot older and maybe there just weren't as many, but well, several of the ones we've taken, we've done that are in the last 20 years, there's a come on, you know, so there's that's more the interesting, than one picture in existence. Yeah, that's the interesting thing that I have found interesting. So you had like uh, um, one of our face curses we did, Marsha Johnson. Great pictures of her, many pictures of her. Um, same thing with Venus Extravaganza. Those are a lot older crimes. We've had some more recent crimes, actually. And again, it's hard to find any photos. It's like one or two photos. And I just, obviously Marsha and Venus had a more a public persona and so there are more pictures. But yeah, I think it is interesting that, you know, it has been very difficult sometimes to find photos. And photos that you would want to showcase this person in their in their best light. You know, sometimes some of the photos, you know, they're really grainy, not high quality, not the best photo in general. Um, but... You know, this could be the negative side of things in certain ways in the media. You know, like if you have crime cases, um, a lot of times, I'm sure people have noticed this, like when there is a crime and it's involving a person who's white, they'll choose like a really good photo 
And if it's a person of color, they'll either use the mugshot photo oh. or just a photo, a photo where they might seem angry or something like that. Um, and <laughs> that's a tough one because like me and the people that I worked with try to be impartial. Like we didn't want to go on one side or the other. So obviously someone who is choosing these photos is making a decision. And so that's the thing. Not all journalists are equal, not all reporters and those involved in the media. So, you know, a journalist may not even choose the photo. You know, it might be an editor who chooses the photo. So they might not even have photos being used until it's, you know, being used. Or like if you're a network, like CNN or something, you don't know what photo is going to pop up. You're reading a story and whoever in the back chose that photo. And you're going to have people who are like that. Obviously, we have Fox News. Uh, I think that is an extremely biased network. And um, the thing is, uh, with Fox News, a lot of it has become commentary. So it, I wouldn't even say it is news. And I think they... I going to say it, but I wasn't sure if we were going to go that route. But yeah, I'm going to go I ahead and say it. It's just they, not news. Um, I don't think they, they would say it's news. Uh, I think CNN is the same way. CNN uh, evening primetime shows. Aside from Anderson Cooper, um, the evening shows on CNN tend to be biased a bit. But they aren't presented as news shows like CNN news. So like if you think if we're talking about CNN, their morning and their afternoon, those are all in general, like here's the facts. In the evenings on Fox and on CNN, it's more commentary. But obviously Fox News is to the extreme, you know, just within our recent story in the news going on, you know, they flip-flop within seven days. So they've said two different things within seven days. So that's just bad journalism. Now, if you can't get a story straight and you're changing it in seven days and the whole tone has changed in seven days, and I know someone might be listening to this at a later date. So we were, we're specifically talking about, in this case, the coronavirus. These Fox News anchors have changed the story within five days. So you're always going to have journalists or people who are involved in the media who are going to be biased. They might not be working at new. Fox News, they may be working at CNN or they may be working at a network like CBS, ABC or NBC. And that one person that could be completely biased can be slowly trying to push door their narrative into the story. And obviously a reputable, reputable journalist will always try to push against that if they see that happening. And so I think that's one thing you, you just have to kind of look, look out when you're gathering your news and watching what news that you do watch. And in these cases uh, that we, we speak about uh, see where that information is coming from. And there's obviously organizations that will try to put out the best information possible. I think if we look at the way that a lot of national news does portray LGBT rights, they've started doing a really good job and they have improved the way that they they talk about the subject matter. And I think that has completely helped also because you have a lot of members in the media and journalists who are a part of the LGBT community. I think that's really helped over the last, you know, decade where you've had those members who are now involved. Like you have, we have Anderson Cooper, a, a big name in the world of news, who's a, who's been able to help kind of like transition that world of news into trying to be best for 
those people who are in the LGBT community when stories are concerning them? Well, I, I don't have anything else on that one. I think this, I was looking forward to doing this because you have such a great background that it, I think I really enjoyed hearing your opinion today. Um, if you guys could see this, I've mostly have just been watching Cody talk. Like, you know, it's kind of almost like a, like a Cody talk, <laughs> uh, which is great because I really, this is your forte. This is what, you know, this was your life for a very long time. And so I really appreciate you, um, deviating out and, you know, sharing your expertise and knowledge with us for this for this special episode yeah um we've done a little bit extra on the specials lately because there's just some things that have come up in the media that we want to make sure that yes we see it we want to talk about it but there is a glaring um difference in how white people are treated in the media versus how um everybody else is treated in the media and the same it is the same in the lgbt community and not just by uh news stations but even in our own publications even in our own i guess you would say internal media we see between each other yeah um, exa- I, I would they're... say completely true you know i mean we, we we've seen it in some of our other cases when we're talking about um trans members who have been murdered and you had uh lgbt publications coming out and just completely messing up the whole the whole situation you know calling right. a, her a him and just complete mess so yeah i think it's not just your reg, regular news organizations you're thinking of it's even lgbt news organizations who in the past have done a horrible job and still today sometimes completely right there is a mess well, up the situation know, one of the issues in that is that there is this push to separate out the T from LGBT. And I, I wrote about it kind of vehemently the other day that if you're trying to separate out T and say that trans issues do not affect you or they should be their own community and not part of the LGBT, you are a crappy person for that because it is trans people and not gender nonconforming people who decided they were just going to live as they are is what paved the way for us to have the right to to even act that way, to even have the freedom to act that way. Um, and it's pretty disrespectful to not know your history in that sense and say that, oh, trans people aren't the same and I don't want to be grouped in with that. We're on this side because the straight people, one, are just, they're not, we're not straight. That's just it. Like, if, if and it doesn't impact you, that's wonderful if you've never experienced any bullying. But if you're going to be, don't be ignorant and just because you haven't experienced a lot of bullying or any, um, you're this is a whole podcast about people who were literally murdered for it. Somebody was arguing with me on Twitter the other day about it. They said, you know, gender nonconforming is cringe. And someone said, Well, fear is part of the world. You can't let it get to you or it'll kill you. I said, Fear didn't kill these people. Other people attacked them and killed them because they didn't conform to the idea of what these people thought they should do or look like or dress like, you know, and that's, it's something that needs to, I think will it shouldn't be this way, but in at least probably in our time, we'll always need called out and always need looked at because our current administration has emboldened people to uh, spout their racist crap. And it is just as, gross in the lgbt community uh racism absolutely exists 
and how it's and how it's portrayed is you know how many times have you read i'm not racist but like uh if if you have to disclaim that yeah what you're probably about to say is probably problematic maybe don't but you know how it's portrayed in queer publications and how it's uh addressed in opeds and uh, pieces that are written um from our own community you can absolutely see the complete difference in how um when a white gay guy who's pretty makes a mistake versus someone who isn't you know because i can tell you the amount of you know white only grinder preferences it just that should tell you all that you need to know that yeah it still exists yeah um and but I don't have anything else, actually. Like, that was kind of, like, the last of my thoughts for the moment on that. Yeah, and I would just, and, you know, since we've been talking about the media in general, um, concerning LGBT rights, but if you're going to talk about the media in general, that, uh, especially in this time, I've seen a lot of things uh, online, on social media, talking about the media, some in a negative way. But the media, if you get your news from reputable sources does try to do the best that they can. They're never trying to incite fear or, you know, kind of like tell stories in completely false narratives. They are trying to inform the audience that is watching. Um, And so I think people just need to remember that. And most important, just get your news from a reputable news source. And I think it's good to get your news from a myriad myriad of reputable news sources. Don't just get it from one news source. Get it from a few news sources. Um, and, and actually, you know, I think, you know, I always said it's important, like for me, when I was in news, to kind of see everything that's happening in the news world. So, you know, obviously, I'm going to say that Fox News is definitely not the place to get your news. Um, but I think it is important to kind of pay attention to what they are saying. I think that is a very important thing because then you're able to understand maybe what other people have been watching and why they're thinking the way they are thinking. And maybe through you watching reputable news sources and these some irreputable news sources, you can kind of clarify situations and they may occur in your family situations or friends friendship situations. But yeah, again, Watch reputable news sources, read reputable news sources. I think that's important. Also, I just want to mention here, since we're talking about that, is newspapers are important. So if you are able to, it's a great time to subscribe to newspapers because newspapers are really having a hard time um, in the world. And so you're able to subscribe to them and read the news online. That is a great tool because news and media is important. And I think we can see that. Uh, in our world today, that it's important for the news media to be here, newspapers, broadcasts, and cable, because they are the ones who help get the truth out there. Other sources don't provide you truth necessarily, so you do need that media involved to get the real truth out into the world. And I guess that is my little ending rant from being in the media uh, for people (laughs) who may have a negative light on the media or think that the media is not necessarily necessary. It's, it's a very important part of democracy. I think, uh, the press and, uh, television news. So absolutely. 
I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, we all have our probably preferred news sources, but even ones you may not necessarily agree with are important, you know, that, I mean, I know we're kind of, I'm trying not to like say ever, not you Fox news, but, um, but all the other ones, you know, but, um, but like you said, that's not really so much news as it is commentary and talking heads. And, but um, the unfortunate part, part of that is that the people who do watch that think that is news. So we can, you, people can argue, uh, this is a news segment or this is a commentary segment, but the people watching in general are not going to know that. So that, that's more like, I guess, thinking about that now that you said that, like from my background, we're able to separate that. But for your general at large public audience, they cannot distinguish the difference and so what they actually are seeing is commentary but they think it's news and it that honestly uh there can be a very dangerous dangerous situation um uh absolutely take five minutes and read twitter and you see people yelling in all caps the most ridiculous easy to verify things and they're just like no everybody else is lying but fox news I'm sorry. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> but I mean that that could be a whole other episode, yeah. and I don't want to. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're recording this during this whole like coronavirus situation, and I'll just say there was a lot of uh, it was it was coming from the White House as well, but coming from Fox News a lot uh, as this being a hoax, this virus being a Ugh. hoax, and the, the the unfortunate thing is that a lot of these people believed it. They still believe it. I don't know why now because it's come out. Even the White House has come out saying it's not. But they, some of these people still believe it. Um, and it's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing for them and their family that they do believe that this may be a hoax. And so I think that, again, that's the very big importance of media and um, news organizations that are actually telling the truth because the truth can help people. And the truth, you know, can bring light to things that are happening that may be a negative situation. I mean, I could talk about this subject on and on and on, but I'm sure we can talk about other media topics on another episode uh, here on the Comacast. As always, we encourage you to listen to older episodes of the Comacast and learn the stories of some of these forgotten cases that we talked about. Also, you can find out more about them on our website, thecomacast.com. We do encourage you to head over there where there's lots of other content. They can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at the Comicast. We do love to interact and hear from all of our listeners. Yes, and thank you, listeners. Thank you for rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you get your podcast. That does help more people find it. And be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can get to the next episode. Until next time, thank you for listening. See you next time.